What's up, Victory? It's a day of celebration. Like literally, I was watching that and I was, that song, celebrate good times. Come on, right? We're celebrating all of the baptisms that happened last weekend. People went down with the old, came up new, saying, I'm gonna live my life for Christ. And this weekend, we get to celebrate Mother's Day. To all the mamas in the house. Listen, I wanna take a moment. We've got people joining us from Switzerland and from Honduras and also Argentina. We welcome you. Thank you for making Victory your church home today. And uh, I know Johnson did the Happy Mother's Day, but I would be remiss to not say Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas, the spiritual mamas, the grandmamas, the aunties, right? All of you who are in the room. And I also just wanna honor those of the mamas who have gone before us who maybe aren't here today. Here's what we know. We honor the legacy and the life that they lived, uh, that lives on in you, amen? I know I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for this wonderful, beautiful woman on the front row who is my mother and uh, gave birth to me. And so I honor you. I love you very much. You gave birth to me. And in that, I got to give life to these two amazing boys on the front row who are gonna take a picture with me today. Let me just say that. I was like, that's right. So she's doing this. I'm like, you are coming to church. You are gonna take a picture with me today. Uh, well, listen, I am so excited to be here with you today. We are in this church faith series. We've been in it for just a little bit, and I love what Pastor Mo from our Midtown campus brought to us a few weeks ago. He made, that's right, woo-woo, right? He made this statement. He said, if being a child of God is not enough, come on now, then nothing will ever be enough. Amen. If being a child of God is not enough, then nothing will ever be enough. Because what we see and what we know is that we are living in this world, the society, with this ever-increasing sense of not enough, right? And sometimes we seek, we feel the need to, re to relieve it by putting on and wearing this mask, this church face. But God's saying, hey, I don't want you to wear the church face. You are a child of God, and in that, you are enough. He's saying, you don't have to be better at, you don't have to be more experienced at, you don't have to be more successful at all these things because you are enough, and you are my child. He's saying, you don't have to prove yourself to me. That's good news, amen? We don't have to prove ourselves to God. His love is for you, and being a child of God is enough. And I love what my husband said last weekend as he delivered an incredible, powerful word, and that was this. Lynn, we are not only children of God, we are wanted and we are loved. Amen. We are wanted and we are loved. We were created by divine design in the image of God, the imagio Dei, and you were created to receive love and you don't have to earn love. You don't have to achieve love. God's not saying, all right, get it together. When you get it all together, then I'll love you. No, he's saying, as a child of, as a child of God, you are wanted, you are loved. And so today, everybody say today with me. Today, I am super excited because I believe God wants to take us some step further into this church faith series. I believe that he wants to set many of us free who believe the lies that we have to be Instagram worthy. Come on now, you see those people. Instagram worthy that we have to have all the likes and set us free from the notion that we have to be perfect or look perfect or have it all together and live these overly impressive lives. I don't know about you, but I feel like I keep getting facelift week after week when I come in here. Come on now. 
I'm expecting to go into my esthetician and her to be like, what have you been doing? Your skin looks amazing. But truly, it's just a spiritual facelift. But like God, I feel like, is continuing to wanna strip back the layers of the church face that we've been wearing. He wants us, to, wants us to know, hey, you are my child and you are enough. Man, you are wanted and you are loved. And he doesn't want us to live these overly impressive lives because we are enough in him. And he wants to set us free, free from that idea or notion that we have to be perfect, amen? Uh, a little while back, I was in a room uh, with several leaders in the room and uh, a friend of mine was with me and we're talking, we're having conversation and uh, a gentleman walks up to us and introduces himself. Hey, what's your name? Tell him our name. What do you, what do you, what do you do? I'm like, oh, tell him what we do. Just a quick minute, we're done. She tells him what she does. Quick minute, she's done. And she asks him the question, so what do you do? 10 minutes later, Ten minutes later, and honestly, if we weren't being called to come into the next phase of like the meeting that we were going into, we'd probably still be there, y'all. I mean, it was like ten minutes of all the successes, everything that he's done, all you know, all the degrees, all the everything, 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 and he was just listing out all of these things, trying to prove his worth and his value to us. And listen, he—I don't need his resume. How many of you you've ever had somebody just give you their resume and they're trying to impress you, right? Listen, God's saying, I don't need your resume to impress me. You are a child of God and you are enough. And today, I believe God wants us to take that church face off and grab hold of the truth and freedom and knowing that we are enough. I am enough. You are enough, right? And you don't need to compare. You don't need to compete against anyone else because you have been set free. We have been set free as sons and daughters of God. Come on now, that's good news, amen? That's good news. We have been set free. And if you've said yes to Christ, then you have stepped into the family of God. You have become a child of God, a child that's wanted, that's loved, and you have received identity. God has imparted that thing into you. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And he wants you to live free in who he's called you to be. Live free in who he's called you to be. Not who somebody else says you should be. Not who the world says you should be. But live free in who he's called you to be. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the scripture says this, now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, right? Paul is saying here, your old identity, your old life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God or trying to please others, right? All of those things, your relationship with the world, your old mindsets, he's saying, hey, you're not reformed, you're not, ref you're not refurbished, but you are completely made new. And that is good news by your union, by that yes to Christ and that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And here's the beautiful thing, that newness in you, that newness that God put in you produces this freedom to live and a freedom to live free in who God has called you to be. So here's where we're gonna land today. Here is where we're going to land. We're gonna discover how to live free in who God has called us to be. Not who our mama said, not who our daddy said, not who a friend said you're not, but who God has called us to be, amen? A life free from comparison, a life free from competition, and a life free from condemnation, condemnation. Listen, that's not just those who are in the world that deal with condemnation, let's be real church folk. Come on now, 
The enemy is the accuser of the brethren, and he is constantly trying to accuse, constantly trying to make us feel condemned. And let me just say this, as I was preparing this message, just felt a very strong urging of the Lord and him just saying this to me. I felt him saying, Summer, so many times people sit in here, they hear the message, they've heard the preacher say, hey, you're free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Like, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we know those things, right? We're churched. But God is saying, I don't want that to be just this. I don't want that to just be head revelation. I don't want that to just be knowledge and revelation up here. I wanna connect here to here. He's saying, I want to make it real, not just in your head, amen. But I wanna make it like real in your heart. I want you to know in your inner core. I want you to know in your inner being that you are free and there's a life that I want you to live free in me. I want you to feel my freedom. I want you to know my freedom deep and be just, just, structured in him, surrounded by him, all right? And he's saying, I don't want you to wear a church face for me. You don't have to wear a church face for me. You are enough. You're wanted, you're loved, and you are free. And you know what else? He wants to emancipate the greatness in you and get what he's put in you, out of you, so you can be a vessel for his kingdom because you were made for something great. So why is this important? Why do we need to understand this and just grasp this? Why do we need to know that God wants us to live free in who he's called us to be? When we look in the world today, when we look in society all around us, right, there's all these expectations that we put on ourselves or others put on us intentionally. I'm on Instagram, let me just tell you, I I am not a big social media fan. just because like I get on there and it's like, hey, 30 days to a better body. And then you have the, hey, I am, oh, look what I did. I'm meal plan this week and I say blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, that's not me, right? It puts this expectation on my life that I have to do it all, I have to be it all, to be the best mom, the best wife, all of these things. And what can happen is society is constantly speaking a narrative to us. Society is constantly telling us who we should be. And unintentionally, we can begin to frame our lives our beliefs, our behaviors, and our values based on everything we see around us versus framing it on the word of God and being centered and rooted and grounded in him and who he's called us to be, right? There's a pressure to be, for me, the best wife, to be the best mom. There's a pressure to be the best husband, right? The best son, the best student, right? The best in your job, the best to look the best, to be the best, to have the best in everything we do. I, listen, I was the soccer mom, the baseball mom, the room mom, like, yeah, there was, there's a list. I don't say that to impress you. I say that to say, whew, that thing drained me, right? Yes, I was tired, because I felt like I had to constantly show, like, look, I, I can do it. I can, I'm all put together. Oh, I got this thing. Oh, I got this. I work. I got kids. I, got, I can do this, right? There's the pressure to look together, to have it all together. Let's be real. It's Sunday morning, y'all. Come on now. To wear your Sunday morning best come in all together proper and I got my Sunday best on and I'm here. In fact, my, my, my youngest son Isaac said to me today, I was like, you're coming and you're gonna sit with me on Mother's Day up front and we are gonna take a picture together. I was like, oh my gosh, mom. Do I have to wear like something special? <laughs> right, he's shaking his head. He's like, uh-huh, I did. And I was like, no, here's what you can wear. He's like, okay, thank you, right? he even felt the pressure for me, like, do I have to look perfect, right? There's this pressure to look all together, to have it all together, to be perfect in everything that we do. Anybody else feel that? Am I alone in that? All right, 
We're all together in that. But here, here's the thing, right? We have all of these things screaming in our attention, telling us how to frame our lives, and many times even people trying to put us in their own frame, right? The boxes of life, the smaller frames of life, telling us who we should be, who we shouldn't be, right? And our mindset can get small, and we can unintentionally begin to conform ourselves to what the world says and live out of a smaller frame. But God says this, right? In Romans 12, verse two, Paul says this, don't copy the behavior of the world and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know, right? He changes the way we think, and then we begin to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Good and pleasing and perfect. What Paul is saying to us here, he's like, hey, don't let your life be a reflection of the world around you. Don't let your life be framed around the smaller things. Don't let people put you in a box in the smaller things, but instead allow yourself to be transformed in your mind and in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit transform you because from that, from the inside out and frame your life. Don't let the pressures of society be what leads you, be what guides you. Don't let those things, don't conform yourself to the world, but be transformed by him, by his word, and who you, he says that you are so that you can live free in who he's called you to be. Uh, it's Mother's Day, so I have to share a Mother's Day story. So about 16 years ago, I became a mom, a little over 16 years ago. I think uh, Jeremiah was probably two and a half weeks old, probably 16 years ago, about this time, for my first Mother's Day. And uh, up until Jeremiah was born, I worked, I was a boss. Like not literally the boss, but like, <laughs> like I felt good in what I, you know, in working. Like I had this corporate job and, and I worked full time up until he was born. Like I went in on Friday, I had worked, went through the weekend, went Monday morning for my doctor's appointments. It's, you know, you have to get your checkup. Fully expecting to go back to work after my appointment. And as I'm sitting there like, um, no, you're in active labor. I'm like, oh, I am? Oh, okay, Johnson. Guess that means we're going to uh, have a baby today, right? And uh, he's like, yes, we're having a baby today. So Jeremiah is born and something just clicks on the inside of me as that first miracle gift of life was given to us. And I am so excited to be a mom. I'm loving him, loving that time with him. And uh, I go home, I'm on maternity leave from my job and I'm home and during that time we had wonderful friends and family who had come to surround themselves with us, and in that they're bringing us meals, and they're giving advice, <laughs> and more advice, <laughs> and opinions, right? And all of these, you know, it's like, hey, breastfed, bottle fed, tummy time, bed time, you know, tummy sleep, bed, you know, side sleep or back sleep, blah, 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 blah. you need to have no schedule, you don't need to have a schedule. I'm like, oh my gosh, stop it, right? I felt like my mind was going to explode. And all of these well-meaning voices and reflections of friends began to frame my thoughts, began to frame my beliefs about self, how I needed to be a good mom, what that would look like for me to be a good mom. And I began to compare myself to everyone else. I began to compare what it looked like for me being a mom with everyone else. And I got to this point where literally, I had some friends saying, well, you need to stay home full time. And then I had other people going, you need to go back to work full time. And you know, it's like, I'm stuck in between going, God, what do you want me to do? I just wanna be a good mom. I just wanna be a good wife. 
Like, I just wanna be a good person, period, right? But this is stressing me out. And uh, finally, one day, I was sitting in front of my counselor, I'll never forget it, and uh, his name's Chip. I was like, Chip, I don't know what to do. And he said, Summer, he said, you can't compare your life, you can't compare the way you're going to parent with everyone else. God designed you in a specific way, and in order for you to live free in who God's called you to be, what does that look like that's best for you to be the best wife and the best mom as you're rooted and grounded in him? And I was like, you know what, Chip? I said, I am, I, I wanna be home with Jeremiah, but at the same time, I'm gonna need a few days a week to just, to work. And he said, then do it. And that's what I did. He said, but don't allow everyone else's opinions to frame your life. See, we can hear the other voices and opinions, but we're not to be led by the other voices and opinions. We're to be led by the spirit of God and what God says for us, right? I had to let God's voice be the first voice that I listened to above all others. Let me ask you a question. Whose voice do you hear or face do you see when you look into the mirror? Whose voice, whose opinions, who advice is framing your life? Is your life being framed? Maybe it's been framed around your past successes or failures. Maybe it's been framed around maybe what bosses have said or haven't said or friends have said or haven't said. Maybe the likes or dislikes on social media is the diplomas or the lack of diplomas, right? Listen, the world is gonna try and put you in a small frame. There are all of these things that wanna frame our life, but they are smaller than who God says that you are as a son and daughter of God because God wants you to live free in who he's called you to be. So is your life being framed in the smaller things? Or are you stepping in to the larger frame that God has for your life? Where you can see more, where all of your body can see out and God wants to do something in you and through you. Amen? And listen, that's according to his personal design, right? In his word to you, that doesn't mean what the world says or what somebody else has said or your past or your failures. It's what he says for you. In Ephesians uh, 2.10, Paul tells us who we are in Christ's plan for our life. He says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love that word masterpiece there. In the Greek, it's translated poema. Poema, which means this. It, Paul is saying here that our lives are beautiful poetry. It's poetry or poem. He's saying, Paul's saying our lives are beautiful poetry written by God that will speak forth all that he desires in life, not our desires, but he desires in life, that we are his work of art. We are his masterpiece. And God is speaking directly to us in his word about who he is, right, and who we are and what he has called us to do. But many times, let's be real. Come on now, let's be real. Many times when we, when we pick up the mirror, all we see in the midst of that reflection, I don't, maybe not a masterpiece, but many times we see the voices of the things of our past. As I'm looking in here, I saw all these different faces, all these different people in the room. Many times we can't see ourselves as a masterpiece but the reflection of our failures, the reflections of the things that maybe we haven't done. The, but God is saying, hey, 
I want you to put down the mirror. I want you to put down the smaller frames. And I want you to step around. And I want you to step into my frame because you are my masterpiece. Amen. You are my masterpiece. Your past does not dictate your future. What you did does not dictate your future. God says, I have a plan for your life. If you said yes to me, you have been crucified with me. It is no longer I who live, but you who live in me, right? He does not curse you. And he says, I want you to live free in who I have called you to be. See, when we step into his frame for our life, we become more like him. The Imagio Day, unlike the mirror where it reflects all of our flaws and our failures. We're here, we step in, and we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Think about the Old Testament, right? They put the blood of Jesus over the doorframe. When we step into his frame, we're covered by him, and all of those other flaws begin to disappear because they're masked in the blood of Jesus because when he saw you, he said, oh, that's my daughter. Oh, that's my son. That's my masterpiece that I created. And he has set you free, and he wants you to live free and who he's called you to be, amen? Galatians 5.1 says this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now that word slavery in the Greek is dulia, which means bondage, right? It means bondage. In fact, in reference to the scripture, it's actually saying a slavish spirit, which is contrast to the spirit of sonship, and the spirit of, of adoption. When we allow the smaller things of life to frame us that are negative impacts from our past, maybe those words that weren't spoken over us or curses that were spoken over us, you'll never amount to this, you'll never be this, you can never do this. When we allow these things to frame our life, right, we're enslaved to them and it puts us in bondage. Versus saying, no, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. And God has called me. He has set me free because I've said yes to him. I am wanted and loved. And I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God, right? So what Paul's saying here, don't be burdened. Don't be weighed down by that little thing. He's saying, I want you to live free in my frame and who I've called you to be and receive the spirit of sonship, receive the spirit of adoption in him. Church, if you're in this room and you have said yes to Christ, right, then you have received the freedom that was purchased for you on Christ at Calvary. And I just wanna remind you, God is saying that you are enough. You are wanted and loved. You are God's masterpiece. He wants to do something great in you and through you. And you have a, sa a savior who purchased that freedom for you. Amen. So how do we live free in who God has called us to be? How do we live free in who God has called us to be? The first thing is this. I felt like the Lord gave me some really just clear things. He said, I want you to stop comparing and start declaring. Come on now. How do we live free in who he's called us to be? <clears throat> We've got to stop comparing and start declaring. If we are ever going to live free in who God has called us to be, we have to stop wearing the church face of, I've got to have it all. I've got to be it all. I've got to look it all. I've got to play the part. I've got to come out with a list of all these things to impress everybody. Stop comparing and just say, no, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who's, through Christ who strengthened me, Right? Right? Theodore Roosevelt said this. He made the statement. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. Come on now. Comparison is the thief of joy. D. 
the enemy wants you, to, the enemy doesn't want you happy. He wants you to compare yourself so you're living in this constant state of, I need to be better, I need to, I need to do better. But God's saying, no, no, you are enough. You are a child of God and you are enough and I love you, I want you. We have to stop measuring ourselves against other people's standards of performance or giftedness and personality. Come on now. Can we just, yeah. God created each and every one of us unique and the way that he designed us, and he wants us to live free in who he's called us to be, not who he's called our friend to be, not who he's called our mama to be, or our daddy to be, right, or our boss to be, but in who he's called us to be. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, Paul was speaking of the religious leaders of the day who were basically setting, they were like the elite people, they were like setting the standards for righteousness, and um, he says this, oh, don't worry, We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about these things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. What Paul is saying here is instead of being focused on comparing themselves to everyone else is that the apostles, they said, we're only gonna focus on what God has for us. Listen, whether you're church, whether you're unchurched, you can be in the church and compare yourself to somebody else. Sally Sue, man, she knows all the books of the Bible and she knows like 100 verses. Come on now. We can compare even in church what we have, what we don't have. But God's saying, hey, no, focus on what I have for you individually for your life. You are my masterpiece, and in order for you to live free in who I've called you to be, you cannot compare yourselves to others. See, comparison leads to this being one up or one down on others, this superior or inferior to, and honestly, neither one is true humility. Comparison leads to being one up or one down on others, superior or inferior to, and neither one's true humility. Oh, I'll never be enough, like I'll never be able to do what they did. God's saying, no, no, you're my child, you're enough. You're wanted, you are loved. I have a plan for your life. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. A while back, I was having um, just a heart-to-heart connection with the Lord and um, in a prayer time, and um, in that, he showed me a a vision, and I saw a glass with water full to the top. Water was clear, and next to it, I saw a bowl with lemons and limes and oranges, And I heard God say to me, he said, Summer, you know what it means to be full of me. You know what it means to have the living water in you and flowing out of you and for others to to just see. But sometimes you compare yourself to others and when you do that, you lack compassion for yourself and accept what you feel as others see its weakness in you, right? And here's what happens. And then the next moment I saw these lemons and these limes just begin to squeeze into the glass, and what happened to the water? Got cloudy. Can't see through it. It's not clear living water. And he said, when you compare yourself to other, when you lack compassion for yourself and try and live somebody else's life versus living the life that I've called you and being set free and who I've called you to be, right? Those core values, or you see the core values or identity traits in yourself as weakness, right? Your vision of yourself gets cloudy and it affects your identity, You don't have to wear a church face for me, Summer. Take off that face. Stop framing your life on the smaller things and step into the frame of who I say that you are 
and focus on being set free in me and living your life for me and remaining in me. Listen, God has set us free and he wants us to live free in who he's called us to be, but we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. Successes, no successes, failures, all of those things. I'm gonna ask you the question again. So whose voice do you hear or face do you see when you look into the mirror, right? Whose voice, whose opinions are framing your life? Is it the world around you? Or is it the Lord God Almighty who has a big frame for your life? It's time for us to stop comparing, to stop comparing and to start declaring who we are as sons and daughters of God, right? You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, right? You are the head and you are not the tail, right? Whom the son has set free is free indeed, right? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He will accomplish it. The word says, seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added to us, right? Listen, you are firmly rooted in Christ and being built up with him. That's what he says about you. You are firmly rooted in Christ and being built up with him. You have been made complete in Christ. Others can tell you you haven't. He says, you have been made complete in me. The Bible says that we are members of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And you are his masterpiece. We've got to stop stop comparing and start declaring who we are as sons and daughters of God. Amen? All right, so how do we live free and who God has called us to be? We're gonna stop comparing and start declaring. And the second thing is this, is we're gonna stop competing and we're gonna start celebrating. Yes, amen. We're gonna stop competing and we're gonna start celebrating. See, comparison always leads that comp- to, to competition, right? That superior or inferior to. Now listen, let me just give you a little warning signs, right? Of the inability to, uh, of competition. It's the inability to celebrate whether that's for yourself, celebrate yourself, or even celebrate others. Anybody ever been in a room? Listen, don't be looking to the left or to the right. No point fingers right now. Or online, poking at your neighbor, right? And, you know, you win a game or, man, you've just done something great and you're so excited about it and you start to celebrate and the, and the person next to you is like, well, that's never happened to me. And they just begin to tell you their sob story. And so you're like, all right, well, I guess I just can't celebrate here. Um, <laughs> Or maybe you're celebrating and you're just like, man, I'm so excited about what God did. And then, oh, you know, but you know what God did to me. Let me tell you what God did to me. And they begin to like tell you all of their things and we begin to try and one up you. Come on now, anybody ever had that, right? Or it's like you get in a competition and like, well, you know why I didn't win. I didn't win because uh, of this and this. And they have like a long list of why they didn't win and rehearse how they lost. Come on now, we've all been in that, right? Um, Listen, God wants us to set free from the spirit of competition and begin to start celebrating one another. And I love the scripture in the the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. Um, Jesus tells us the parable of the prodigal son. And he tells us the story about how after uh, one of the sons said, hey, I wanna go away, I wanna take the money, give me the inheritance. And he runs away, he goes and he does his own thing. He parties and he lives it up, right? He goes, he does his own thing, and then he gets to the end where he's like, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing, and he decides to come back home and makes the decision to come back to the father. And as he runs back to the father, we see in the scripture that uh, the father saw him coming, and in, when the father saw him coming, ran out to meet him as he was filled with love. He embraced him, and the son just said, oh, father, forgive me. 
for going astray, right? And the father loves on him. He said, hey, quick, go get my finest robe. Go get a ring. Go get sandals because my son has come home and let us celebrate. And it was such good news. And then we see the brother's response. In verse 25, Luke 15, 25, it says this. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of a safe return. So it says the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out. I'm, listen, when I read that the other day again, I was like, he wouldn't go in. He's like, oh no, I'm taking my toys. I'm going home, right? He's acting like a little kid, right? I'm, mm -mm, I'm not doing this. He wouldn't go in, just celebrate his brother. So anyway, he says it wouldn't go, he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found, right? He is found. That is something to celebrate. <clears throat> his brother was found, but instead of celebrating that his brother was found, what did he do? He started to view him as competition. Oh, he's getting all these things. He started to compare himself to him, tried to one-up. I've done all these things. You haven't done anything for me, right? And, and he, he became whiny like a little kid. He just started complaining, all of the things that he had done, all of the successes that he had done, his accomplishments, were, and started to make it a competition, were in that it wasn't about a competition, it was just celebrating. What, is, what does Jesus tell us? How does the father respond to the son? Right, at first it says he affirms the older son he, who he's been to him by saying, yes, you have, you've always stayed by me. But then he extends the, remi uh, the reminder and he tells him, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. It was always his. Everything I have is yours. The love that I have is for you. The same love I have for your son, for your brother is the same love that I have for you, right? My affection, my authority. There was no competition between the two of them, right? See, the father's love for both of his sons was the same. Uh, years ago, Johnson and I got a car. Somebody gave us a car, and it was, it was uh, just such a wonderful experience. Uh, I'll never forget because it truly was the desire of my heart. Like God knows, Jesus knows the desire of my heart and so does Johnson. Jesus and Johnson know the desires of my heart, right? I like to joke with that. Um, and nobody else knew. It wasn't something I touted. It wasn't something I would say to people. Like nobody knew the desires of my heart. But literally, like it just happened like in a whirlwind over a weekend. Somebody came to Johnson and said, hey, we feel like we're supposed to give this to you. And it was the exact car that I wanted. Like God had just... It was the Lord. He was all over that, but nobody else knew. And so uh, I'll never forget, um, I had received the car, and uh, in the words of Lecrae, I was driving in the parking lot with the window down saying, God said, say I won't. Come on now, say I won't. Like, yeah, here we go, God. That's what you're doing, right? And uh, <laughs> he's just such a good God, and he gives good gifts to his children. And uh, so I'll never forget, like, I'm excited, right? And I have a friend who comes up to me, and I'm sharing in the excitement with her. I'm like, hey, I'm so excited. Look what God did. And she was like, y'all saw my body disposition change, right? She was like, where's my car? Mm. Why didn't God do that for me? That's not fair. 
It's as if she was saying, hey, that's not fair. I follow God, I serve him, right? I deserve this too. As if our relationship was a competition and God's holding a scoreboard up between the two of us, which he's not. God gives good gifts to his children. Listen, there can be two camps in here. Some of you are going, that's not fair. I want that, what about me? And there's the other camp here. You guys are saying, oh, okay, all right. If God can do that for her, he can do it for me, right? We're praying on that. Amen. Listen. What God can do for me, he can do for you. His love is no different for either one of us. Either one of us. And you know what happened in that season? As the Lord blessed us, then we took my car and we blessed somebody else. They took their car and they blessed somebody else and it just went down the line and all these blessings flowed. But it was just from the Lord. Listen, God is calling us to not be in competition with one another. He's not holding up a scoreboard of his love saying you're better than the other. He knows the desires of our hearts and he gives good gifts to his children. He just wants us to walk in celebration with one another. He wants us to celebrate, amen, that's right. He wants us to live free, right? And who he's called us to be, but we can't do that by competing with others. We can't do that by comparing our lives to others. He wants us to live free in who he's called us to be. It's not a competition. His love for me is just the same as his love for you each and every one of you, and those of you who are online, we have to celebrate one another. All right, third thing is this. How do we live free in who God has called us to be? We have to stop comparing and start declaring. We're gonna stop competing and start what? Celebrating, right? And we're going to reject condemnation, and we are going to receive affirmation. Amen. We are gonna reject condemnation and we're gonna receive affirmation. Romans 8, one through four says this. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life, union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature, yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. That's where condemnation belongs. Condemnation belongs right there, right? God condemning the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us, and we are free to live, not according to our flesh, right, by the world, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. It's in this, yes, we see. Jesus was... Jesus was made us completely enough. His death, his burial, his resurrection, right? His perfect life, all of those things open the door for us to be made completely free and to live the life that God has designed for us. He says, I want you to live free in who I've called you to be. And if I'm already enough because I'm in Christ and he is in me, there is no judgment or there's no charge that can be made against me or be made against you. You see, condemnation is the voice of the enemy and it says this, you don't measure up. You'll never amount to anything. You'll always be weak, right? You'll always be a failure. You'll always be sinful, all of these things. That's the the lie of the enemy. Listen, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Unless he he is accusing the church fault, he's searching the He's accusing those who are in the world. He likes to just accuse. He likes to speak, period, right? But God's saying, hey, no, 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 no. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And in fact, I love what Psalm 34, 22 says. 
It says, but the Lord will redeem those who serve him. That is a promise. He will redeem you. When you say yes to him, it says, I will redeem you. And it says, no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. When you take refuge in him, you will not be condemned. When you take refuge in him, you will not be condemned. About three years ago, I had a a distant cousin of mine reach out to me. Her name's Erica. Shout out to you, Erica, if you're watching online today. And uh, we, we grew up, but we didn't get to see each other a lot because she lived further away. And so we had kind of a distant relationship as cousin, cousins. We weren't ever really super close at that time. But um, this day that she reached out to me on Facebook, she, uh, she started asking me some questions, just some spiritual questions that lead us, led us into a deeper conversation that day. And uh, I knew she wasn't saved. I knew she wasn't following Christ or anything. But um, as we start having this conversation, uh, I I was just grateful that she felt safe and comfortable to even ask me some of the things that she was asking. And so she starts to tell me all of these things about how she's watched me, how she's watched my sister and my mom and my family and how much she admires us and who we are, who we've become, all of these things. And just as we serve at the church and I mean, I appreciated it, but uh, you know, those are great compliments, but at the same time, I could hear this longing and this desire in her heart to just have a life similar to ours. And so as we video chatted that day, I just started to tell her, I said, hey, Erica, I didn't, I didn't get to where I am overnight. Listen, what you see on Facebook or what you see on Instagram, like that's a fraction of what happens in my everyday life. That's a fraction of what happens in my everyday life. You can't compare what you see there to who I am. Listen, I go through struggles. I've gone through plenty of pain. I've gone through shame, right? I've had rejection. I've had mistakes, and I mess up. I still mess up. Listen, we're gonna mess up until we meet Jesus face to face. Can I, doesn't mean we need to go seeking to mess up, right? But yeah, amen. We're never going to arrive until we meet Jesus face to face. Now, we want to live our lives according to his plan so that, but we don't want to like intentionally try and mess up. But I just told her, I said, man, we're always gonna mess up. I said, I was a mess before making a decision to follow Christ, but because I made a decision to follow him, to pick up my cross daily and serve him, I don't live in a place of of shame any longer. I I don't live in a place of condemnation any longer. Does the enemy try and speak those things? Absolutely. But I take those things before the Lord, and as I've taken them before the Lord, he's continuing to heal me, and because of that, Lord, he's constantly reminding me of who I am and whose I am as he affirms me as he affirms me as a daughter of God. And I said, and that same God that affirms me wants to affirm you. Let me just stop for a second because I felt like the Lord said this to me this morning and through the service. I felt like he said that there are some of you who are online who you don't wanna come back in the building because of the condemnation that you feel for things that you've done. But God is saying, I wanna set you free. I wanna heal those places of you. There is no condemnation in me in Christ Jesus. So, Anyway, she's sharing all these things and she's saying, and she's saying, I said, that same God that I serve, he wants to love you. He, want, he loves you and he wants you to serve him and he just wants to affirm you. And she said to me, I, I can't, I've done too much. God can never forgive me for all the things that I've done. Now listen, I know her story. It's not my story to tell, it's her story, it's her testimony. But I could feel the shame and the condemnation that she was carrying. 
So, I, you know, I tell her what the word says. Hey, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, for God, uh, the glory of God, right? There's, therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, right? I tell her all those things. But all of those things, all of the voices, all of the voices of the past, all of the things in the mirror that had been speaking to her for so long were so loud the condemnation was so strong that she said, I just don't feel like God could ever forgive me. I've, I've been away from God for over 20 years. I said, well, listen, I'll pray with you today if you wanna pray and, and just receive Christ as your savior. And he's, I know he wants to take you on that healing journey. And honestly, for the first time ever, uh, she said, I just can't. I can't. I've done too much. It's family. You don't want to see your family not know the loving God that you know, that you've come to know and love and experience, right? And so it's in that I said, listen. I said, okay. I said, whenever you're ready, I'll be there to pray with you. Since some of you in this room, let's be real, we've been talking about church face for a while now. Came in with a church face, and under that church face, maybe there's condemnation that you're feeling from your past, and you feel like you can't just let God see the real you. Some of you in this room, maybe you're wearing shame under that church face, thinking, well, yes, I've come to know the Lord, and I've accepted him as my Savior, but I can't ever let him see the real me because I just don't think he'll forgive me. See, condemnation says that you missed it. You'll never amount, you'll never measure up that what you did wasn't good enough. That's condemnation, the voice of the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, but I'm here to tell you today, son, daughter, that you have a God that wants to set you free. And he has a life that he wants, he wants, to, to li that he wants you to live free in and that he set you free so that you can be all that he's called you to be. He wants to, you to frame your life in him, clothed in the blood of Jesus, right? Apart from a life of comparison, apart from a life of competition, and apart from a life of condemnation. Ephesians 2.18 says this, now, say that second word with me, now who? All, right? Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Listen, Jesus didn't just come for those who had it 100% together. Jesus didn't come for those who have all, everything right or have a perfect thing. He said, I have came for everyone, right? Not just all the likes and the successes. He came for you, he came for me, and we can come to the Father through the Holy Spirit of what Christ, because of what Christ has done for us. No longer do we have to live under condemnation. So as my cousin shared that with me today, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not ready. I said, okay. I said, all right, well, whenever you're ready, just let me know. I'm here for you. So we spent time talking and texting and just um, over the next little bit, video chats over the next month, and I would send her like worship music, send her like some different things, little by little, and then one day, I got the text. I'm ready. I'm ready. So we scheduled a time, we got on the phone call. 
And as I walked her through the salvation prayer at the same time, we broke through and just prayed off lies of condemnation that she had dealt with for so long as God began to free her and deliver her. And no longer could the, the voice of the accuser say, no longer are you good enough because she received what God had done for her. She said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And she received the affirmation of being a daughter of God. So since then, she's been baptized. She's gone through Forward Online, right? She got a job at her church. Come on now. And she, she, led, she led one of our other cousins to the Lord. I'm like, okay, go ahead now, girl. Go ahead now, right? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, as I said at the beginning, she's become that entirely new person. She's no longer burdened under a yoke of slavery, right? She has accepted that spirit of adoption, that sonship, right? Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God is calling us today, He's calling us today to put down the smaller frames that people have tried to put us in and box us in and say, you're not enough, you can't be enough, you'll never have enough, the voice of the enemy. He's calling us to step behind his frame for our life and to put away the comparison, the competition, and receive his affirmation, put away the condemnation as well, and to live free in who he's called us to be, centered in him, rooted and grounded in him, covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're in here today and maybe you're like my cousin. Maybe you feel like you've done too much. Maybe you're online and you felt like you've done too much and that you'll never measure up. Listen, God is saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here today and I wanna set you free from a life, of a lie of condemnation. Or maybe you're in here and maybe uh, you found yourself or you find yourself always comparing yourselves to others or maybe trying to one-up or feeling like you have to compete to earn God's love, but God is saying, hey, here I am, everything I have is yours. Come home, I receive you. I want you to step into the frame that I have for your life because you are my daughter, you are my son, you are a child of God, wanted in love, you are enough and I want you to live free in who I've called you to be. I don't know where you are today, but I believe the Lord wants to set us free to live the life he's called us to be so that we can emancipate greatness in others Stop wearing the church face so we can live a free life. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. I don't know where you might find yourself in, in this room, but I want us to just pray together. If you find yourself in the camp of any of those things, and let's just pray this. Say, Father God, Lord, today, I make a decision to turn my heart back towards you. Lord, I understand that in order to live free, I've got to lay down comparison, competition, and condemnation. I reject the lie of condemnation. Father, right now, I choose to turn from my sin. I repent of sin, and I ask for your grace, and I come to you and choose to make you Lord of my life. I turn from my past, and I turn towards you. And from this day forward, I wanna live free in who you've called me to be. A life free from comparison, a life free from competition, and a life free from condemnation. I receive your truth over me that I am wanted, I am loved, 
that as being a child of God, I am enough. I am your masterpiece created in the image of you. And I receive that over my life, over myself. I reject the lies of the enemy that I am not enough. And I thank you that you have set me free. Would you make yourself known to me? I draw myself into you, Lord, as a child of God. I love you, Father. Thank you for setting me free. And from this day forward, may I not just know you not, and know that I'm free in my head. Would you make that real in my heart for the rest of my life? I want to be centered on you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I believe God set many of us free. And listen, as you move forward from today, some of you have been set free from condemnation, from shame, different things. What are you gonna do when the enemy starts trying to have you compare? What are you gonna do? You're gonna declare who you are as a son or daughter of God, right? When he tries to creep in with the voice of the enemy, you need to compete for my love. No, 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 no. I don't have to compete. I'm gonna celebrate who I am as a daughter or son of God and celebrate those around me. And I no longer am gonna walk in condemnation but affirmation of who God's called me to be because he has set you free. Amen. We're gonna sing this song. It's called, and it's called, uh, I know who I, I know who I say. Who, who you say, thank you, Danielle. Who you say I am. I know the song, but I do, I, for real, I do know it. Who you say that I am. And as we sing this song, I want you to just feel it inside you. I want you to make these declarations over yourself. Who you say that I am, Lord. It's who you say, I am chosen. Speak it out. Declare it over yourself because you are free as a daughter and a son of God. Amen? All right, let's celebrate and let's worship together.